This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So again, another great big good morning to everyone. Wonderful to have everyone here and welcome uh, you know, to our online audience. And we're looking at, at another part of what it means to, to open up and how challenging vulnerability can be. And, and it really was um, something else, just, just watching this week. And I want to start by saying this. For some members of our congregation, life's really hard right now. I feel like I could probably say that any week, but I'm particularly aware of it this week. And, you know, how, how do we move through that, right? How do we move through that? It's a challenge. And, and, and what role can vulnerability play with it? How can we learn to open up to the inevitable traumas and limitations that, that life kind of passes our way? We had a team go down to Ronald McDonald House. We had a team go down to Kensington. We had small groups. And, and in each one, there's this, this amazing thing to watch that as people slowly get more comfortable with vulnerability, what happens is this beautiful thing called connection. I mean, it, it truly is miraculous. So driving back from Kensington, and there's, a, there's an Irish member of the congregation, and there's a, somebody from Britain also who went down with us, who's faculty over way across the college here. And the big debate was over how bad British food is. Silly, right? Silly, right? But there, that's it. That's the connection. Religion. Latin. Religio. Chuck's favorite sermon. <laughs> reconnect. And that's what this is supposed to all be about. How do we reconnect with love, with God, with our better selves, with our best selves, and with other people? How does that look? How does that work? I think with life, we, we, want, we want to endeavor to have life in a way where, where there is no vulnerability. At least that's the life I would like. But I think this is what's actually true. There's no way to make yourself feel invulnerable. I'm going to have you say because. No way to make yourself feel invulnerable? Because there is no way to be invulnerable. It just, it, it isn't going to happen. Simply by the act of, of life, we have to wrestle with vulnerability. And, and I feel like a lot of the time we, we try to grab on to ropes, whatever that rope might be for you. We try to grab on to a rope and we believe that mistakenly this will finally make us invulnerable. For some of you, it might be a financial thing. Like when I finally have X amount of dollars, then I'll be invulnerable. For some of you, it's a relationship thing. When, when I'm married or when I have a marriage that looks like X or when I have a this or when I have a that, then I'll finally be able to be invulnerable. Folks, what do we know to be true? Is that what's going to happen? No. No. It's not what's going to happen. So it's not about how do we avoid, uh, how do we avoid vulnerability. It's more like, well, how do we hold it? And, and obviously in God's economies, nothing is wasted. So there must be some way we can use vulnerability to actually learn. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to use vulnerability to actually learn together a few things. 
that I think are of value to take a look at. Now, when you look at the Bible, it's, it's not when you look back in the Bible that, that these people had, uh, you know, had lives that were completely invulnerable and perfect. That's why, you know, the, the, whole, the whole concept of somebody being biblically fundamentalist is, is, you know, we tend to think of that, well, if somebody's fundamentalist, it means they, everything is just spelled out exactly here and this is exactly the way to live and, and da 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 da. But the Bible is filled with people actually struggling. That's the vast majority of the Bible. Think 90% struggle, and then on occasion, sometime on a Sunday afternoon, they get the answer. But the vast majority of it is struggle, oftentimes very messy struggle. And the struggle I want to talk to you about today is the struggle that we all face to find freedom. And of course, you can look at freedom from addiction, that's an obvious one, but, but also freedom from fear and worry and concern and anxiety and despair. How do we find freedom from those things? And it's not perfect freedom. Everybody's listening really closely. Please give me a big yes. Yes. This is really important. It's not about coming up with the answers. It's about can we establish the conditions. There may not be answers to how I'm going to deal with this thing in my life. Like, this is the way to do it. Go through these three steps. You'll be fine. I've not found that to work terribly well. But what I have seen is people willing to do the courageous work to set up the conditions around which that freedom can grow. Not perfectly, not overnight, but over time in ways that are just beautiful. So I want to start by, by sharing with you a, a story here, and it's, it's a beautiful story, and it's a story about a man by the name of Moses, and, and Moses is asked to lead these people who are slaves at this time, called the children of Israel in the Bible, to, to, to lead them out of slavery, and that becomes modern-day Israel, sort of the founding story of modern-day Israel. And again, New Church, we look at that historically, and we're not so worried about the history of it, like did this event happen, and then that event happened, and then that event happened. It's not really the conversation that we have in New Church. The conversation we have is, this is really an allegory, a beautiful poetic truth about something that actually happens in our lives, and it's told just like a story. In the same way that you can watch Star Wars, and by the way, Star Wars did not really happen. We are aware of that, right? You know, like, like we look at something like Star Wars and we can get something out of that story. The Bible, we can look at it and we can look at parts that, yes, were actually historical and more importantly, give us a deeper story underneath. So that's what I want to share with you. And this is one where, where he's, he's gone and he said, all right, it's time for us to move out. Moses has come out from, been an outsider, come back to the inside, come back to these people who are enslaved and said, all right, time for us to move out. We can go, we can go, we can go. And he's like, there's the exit door. Let's go. And everybody says, no, we're not going. I mean, just imagine that as a leader. Like, there's the exit. We're going. Come on, guys. No. So that's where we pick up the story here. Now the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh because of my mighty hand. He will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of of this country. God also said to Moses, I'm the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. These are ancient, ancient names. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them this land. That's the promised land where they're headed to modern day Israel. 
We come to give the promised land Canaan, where they lived as aliens. Moreover, I have heard their groaning of those enslaved whom the Egyptians have kept in bondage. I've remembered, you've remembered my covenant with them, my children. Therefore, say to them, I'm the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts. I will take you as my own people. And I, I will be your God. Moses reported this to the Israelites, and this is a great line. But they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and cruel bondage. Then the Lord said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of the country. But Moses said to the Lord, if the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me since I speak with faltering lips? So this is a beautiful story, and, and we pass over those words, but, but we can really see when we start to like pull it apart, there's some real world stuff in here. Some things that actually make a big difference. There are two primary head bully tapes, I think, that we see playing over here. And Brene Brown has great language around what we see in this story. Now, the two things we're going to look at a lot today are trauma and limitations. Let's say those together. Trauma and limitations. Trauma and limitations. I'm consistently um, taken aback by how most of our lives, I mean the vast majority, have trauma in there somewhere. And for a lot of people, it may not look like it. Like you may be looking at someone across the aisle going like, I got trauma. There's no way that person's got trauma. And I can guarantee you as the the pastor, they got trauma. There's stuff. Because I hear about it. Thank you for telling me about it. And thank you for sharing that. Because that, that is part of the human condition. That trauma. And we also have limitations. We also have those things where we just know we, we just can't do it. I have said this in here before. You know, I struggle all the time with the limitation that I'm just not that bright. Good looking, yes. Bright, no. Just not that bright. You can tell me really good things with numbers and I'll smile and nod and have no clue what you're talking about. I will frequently, no doubt have done that with many of you in here, I will frequently switch names. So if you have a, a, a friend or a brother or a sister who I know, that's what I'm going to call you on occasion, just so you know. And I'll realize it 24 hours later and I'll be mortified. It's just how my brain works. For better and some days for worse. So we all have that trauma and limitations. And this is how I think it works. Trauma says, please say the question. Trauma asks, asks, who do you think you are? We've covered these before in a sermon about a year ago, but I think they're really important. And limitations say, you are not good enough. Trauma and limitations. Now, from the new church, we think of head bully tapes. We think that is actually the voice of hell. Like, literally, if we're caught in the spiral of who do you think you are, you're actually not good enough, that's actually the way hell prefers to speak to us. And I, I think part of it is, 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 you know, getting, there's one typical human reaction, which is, especially with that other question, like, you're not good enough, to sort of go like, oh, yes, I am, I'm really, really good, blah, 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 all this stuff. And maybe we can just take a moment, because we're here to learn together. We're here to learn together. 
maybe we can just take a moment to look at this question. I totally messed that up. I missed my cue. To look at this over here. (laughs) It was going to be the big epic moment, the Perry Mason moment. Dang, bone it. Go back to that slide, darn it. Thank you. So, so, So we have a couple of things here. We have trauma and we have limitations. And they're kind of like the, the saw horses of life. It, they're just the things like, is that a terribly handsome piece of furniture? Beautiful. Beautiful. If you're a carpenter, yes. Don't take that home and put it in your living room. We have these two different things. And, and it's interesting when you look at the Bible, like there's, there's different ways, different translations. And one of my favorite translations, I was reading from one called the NIV, the, the New International Version. And there's another one called the Message. And this is how the Message translates exactly what I read. So, so they're talking about the children of Israel here. And it says, well, they didn't listen because they discouraged and traumatized, beaten down in spirit. They, they were, they were traumatized. Like there was this trauma and it was, it was part of their whole sort of way that they, they held up their lives. Like they were just traumatized. Is that trauma? Is it understandable, folks? Yes or no? Yes. It's totally understandable. Like please don't take away from here. There's certain pastors who will go like, no, nothing's traumatic. No. Lots of things are traumatic. Lots of things are traumatic to people. Trauma is part of the human condition. And the problem is when we're in that traumatic place, right? How many of us get frozen when we're in a traumatic place? I get totally frozen, tongue-tied, not, not sure what to do. So I get, I get stuck, just like they are. They're enslaved. Here's Moses going like, look at the exit signs. You can get out that way. And what are they saying? They are simply saying... No, because they're in their trauma. It's really hard to argue somebody who's traumatized out of their trauma at that moment. Could I please get a little amen on that? Try it. It won't work. What does this sound like? What four-letter acronym that we talk a lot about in culture these days, what four-letter acronym does that sound an awful lot like? Somebody said it. Post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, right there. And then that's that trauma is also met over here by limitations. The other sawhorse, we all have these limitations, and this is the way that, that, that the message does it. The message says, look, this is Moses speaking, look, the Israelites won't even listen to me. How do you expect fair to, besides I stutter? Isn't that fascinating? Like this guy who was to be the leader of Israel. He says, I stutter. Do these ring true, folks? Do they? I think they do. I think they're, they're part of the human condition, part of, part of what we do. And now for the dramatic moment that I didn't manage to pull off before. I want us to hear from each other because we are here to learn from each other. I want us to look at this question. It's one we've looked at it, and I want to look at it again. I struggle with the unending expectation that I am not blank enough. And I want you to hear this, and I just want you to hear your own story and everyone else's story. 
So we can get how, how universal this struggle is. So what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask like three or four people to do it. If you just raise your hand, I'll be around with the microphone. Thank you, Mary Ann. Understanding. I struggle with the unending expectation of not understanding enough. What's another one, folks? What's another one? Can you take it one more time? Resilient. Resilient. I'm not resilient enough that somehow other people have more bounce than I do. What's another one out there? Expectation, I am not able to earn enough. Earn enough. Oh, how many of us have a little financial stuff going on as I'm, as I'm saying this? I'm not healthy enough. I'm not healthy enough. Oh, thank you, Rob. I'm not smart enough. I'm not smart. Sister by a different mister. That's good. That is it. Not smart enough. Like I struggle with that one. There was somebody back here I saw a hand. In a, one more all right, down there, great. Not loving enough. Not loving enough. Not loving enough. Please give up. Oh, wait, one more. Patient enough. I'm not patient enough. Welcome to I-95. And we got to get lots. Fight. Fun. Good. Good. So please give everyone a round of applause, folks, for sharing that. So hopefully you heard part of your story out there, something that like resonated with you that, oh yeah, you know, that really is something I struggle with. Because I don't want you to feel this way. You are not, and I like this phrase, you are not terminally unique. And <laughs> what does that mean? That means that I believe I'm the only one with these problems, and that can be kind of terminal. That can kind of squash us down. It was the band comes out, as the band comes out, I want you to think, what if we chose to live a little differently? What if we actually chose to maybe take up this quest of freedom? What if we stopped believing that life was somehow this self-generated project? We saw it more for what it actually is. And you know what it actually is? It's a gift. A gift, an incredible gift of God that we can move into more and more with this beautiful thing called surrender. I feel like we all need to sit in quiet with a candle for a full minute after that, after that song, that, that holy moment, and sitting in that moment. Maybe part of it is just like, can we allow those moments of this beautiful surrender what's true about life, and we just let that moment grow over time. We see the head bullies quiet. I want to share with you just a couple of lines, like these are, these are deep theology lines, and then I want to offer you the translation of them. The deep theology lines are this, quieting the head bullies around our limitation, and we could say shame, quieting the head bullies around shame, around our limitations. To be ashamed 
Manuel Swedenborg writes, is when we're destitute, we're out of all things that are good and all things that are true. We're not sure what's good, we're not sure what's true. And then we move out of that shame, so we no longer fear hell. Interesting. And what do I think that means? I got nothing. And that does not scare me anymore. I got nothing. Doesn't scare me anymore. It's interesting, right? The way that gets set up in the new church is not, wow, I don't know what's good, I don't know what's true. And you would think the obvious answer is then is to know everything. But that's not it. The answer is to not be afraid. That's big. Recommend taking a note on our phones. <laughs> I think that's important. The answer again, in not knowing it all, is not to know it all. The answer is to no longer be afraid. That's incredibly powerful when we look at it that way. I think, too, with that line, if we go back to that slide, it's, it's notice it says, I, and please say the G word there, I got nothing. It doesn't say, I am nothing. You folks are amazing. You folks are beautiful. You're courageous. You're caring. You show up. You make this world a better place. You are something. The Bible starts with original blessing, not with original sin. We can come from that place and understand that, that with the way it is, that with a lot of our situations in life, we simply go like, yeah, and I got nothing. And we can say that a bit with a smile. For those of you who don't know what that's like, wait till your kids are a little older. I got nothing. I, I don't know what to do in this situation. There's even a beauty and a grace there. C.S. Lewis puts it so incredibly well. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything. Listen. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. Have you say the last word of the last line there? To love, then, is to be vulnerable. To love, then, is to be vulnerable. Perfect love drives out fear. It's not about knowing it all. It's about how do I give the fear away as best I can. I think one, one way we do that is by simply sharing. I want to share three words with you, and they're kind of fun. They're fun to say, and they're just fun little way to remember today's service. I'm going to say it, then I'm going to have you say it. The first word is oops. Second word is ouch. And the third word is wow. Oops, ouch, wow. Oops, ouch, wow. I want you to see those three things. I want you to see these two things. All right? 
If you're like me, that's way too much to remember, but just pick one of the two. Oops, ouch, or wow, trauma limitations. I, I want you to see that, and I want you, for those of you who weren't here, this is a little clip from last week with Dr. Dr. Dan Gottlieb where he talks about that. Oops, ouch, wow, trauma and limitations. The clip. I was seeing a 17-year-old young woman, and she was there because she felt shame. I don't remember what it was about, you know, pimples or, or whatever it was, doesn't, doesn't matter. And of course, she was beautiful, like almost all 17-year-olds. And she was suffering so. She was so violent with her poor self that, you know, I, I knew better than to tell her how she looked. Um, that's a parent's job, is to say stuff that's not effective. Um, I'm a parent, I know. <laughs> so I, my heart broke for this woman suffering. And I just bowed my head trying to absorb this for her. And as I bowed my head down, I saw that my catheter came off and my, and my pants were wet. And I felt such extraordinary shame, more than I would for an adult, either gender. Even more shame than I think I would have if it was a 17-year-old boy sitting across. I don't know, but it was something. And I, I, I felt such shame, I couldn't pick my head up to look her in the eye. And of course, she saw what was going on. She saw my wet pants. And I looked up at her, and I felt such shame that my eyes were moist. I was near tears. And without a word, she came up to me and held me, put her arm around me, and put my head on her chest. I'm moved to tears now when I think about it. That's it. Two vulnerable human beings together caring for each other in their vulnerability. There's a, a marquee on a church around the corner from me that said, God is one. Well, my interpretation is that when two are as one, that's divine. Could you see the oops, ouch, and wow? <laughs> Can you see a man talking about his trauma and his limitations? Moving. Incredibly moving. 
Like, if you're like me, I want a life that is risk-free and failure-free. And what God does is give me a whole bunch of oops, ouch, and wow. (laughs) Something to think about. Something to think about. Now I want to close the service just stepping over here. We will have these limitations and these traumas, these limitations and these traumas, we will have them in our life. They're just going to be part of life. Can we choose oops, ouch, wow? Can we choose sharing? Can we choose connection? We can choose all those things. What we can't choose is to not have this. And that's painful to say. We can't choose not to have this. And it breaks my heart as a pastor to watch people struggle, to watch myself struggle, caught in between these two. These things, though, can become, in a certain way, a foundation. A foundation to this. A little diving board. Now, isn't it interesting that a diving board looks an awful lot like walking the plank? Because sometimes it will feel that way that it's really walking the plank. But there's a miracle that can happen there. That God will pull off. He did it thousands of years ago with the children of Israel. I think he does it all the time with us. What he asks us to do is this. Jump. You really don't have much choice anyways. (laughs) Jump. That's hard, and that's, and that's challenging, and that's, and that's difficult. And, and I, think, I think the way God very tenderly does it is, it's kind of like, remember when you were either had this happen to you, or you've done it with a kid where you put on the floaties and the life jacket, and you have somebody waiting for them, and you gently lift them off the edge of the diving board, and when they're about two inches away from the arms of a loved one, you let them go, and you tell them, great dive! I think that's sort of what God is doing. Like helping us to jump, but doing it with tenderness, with preciousness, with love. If you're in a place today where you feel like you're jumping, let someone else hold you. Let God hold you. Understand there's people here waiting to catch you as best they can. And if you're one of those people who is around someone who's trying to find the courage to jump, welcome them. Raise your arms to them. Tell them it's okay. Tell them you can do this. And most importantly, most importantly, tell them we're here. Tell them we're here. Have a great week. Have a great Super Bowl Sunday. Amen. I'd ask you now to please join me in a prayer. I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer. If you, excuse me, 
getting all my lines mixed up today. I'm going to allow you to have the opportunity to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, to have your own moment of quiet reflection, or to say a prayer that somehow can hold you in this space. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for your presence in this congregation. Lord, help us to hold as best we can the traumas and the limitations in our lives. Lord, help us to hold as best we can the traumas and limitations being lived through by those we love, friends, families, communities alike. And Lord, help us as best we can to continue on this path, understanding that limitations, understanding the traumas are not a call to stop, but are a call to move forward. In your name, with grace, compassion, and love. Imperfect as always, but beautiful in its grandeur. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. Be with those in the congregation who are searching for ways to take that leap, for searching for those who will catch them, and for all of us, searching for a way home. Thank you, Lord. In your name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.